VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to The Ruck from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Will Kelleher and you're listening to our special series examining just what it takes to win the Rugby World Cup in the company of those who have been there and done it. We'll take you from 1987 to 2019 through the eyes of great world champions ahead of the 10th World Cup in France this autumn. We'll hear their memories and stories, anecdotes and insights, all with the goal of answering one simple but devilish question. How do you win the World Cup? So join us on a rugby journey to whet your appetite for France with Legends of the Game. This time on how to win the World Cup, the box are back in town with their second victory in 2007. We're under Rihanna's umbrella all summer as the new Wembley Stadium opens and the smoking ban comes in across the UK. In rugby, South Africa are by no means favourites going into the French World Cup. The year before, Australia beat them 49-0 in Brisbane, but by 2007, they're an improving force under coach Jake White and the assistant he brings in, Eddie Jones. At the tournament, Brian Habana scores eight times in seven tests as the box blast England 36-0 in the pool and go through Fiji and Argentina in the knockouts before facing the English again in the final. In a penalty fest, they get the job done, much to Mark Cueto's dismay, and John Smith lifts the World Cup in Paris. In the midst of it all was scrum half Farida Priya. So from the Times and the Sunday Times, this is a Ruck special, How to Win the World Cup with Farida Priya. Okay, Furi, a pleasure to have you on the pod. Now, look, we're asking everyone this first easy question. How do you win the World Cup, Furi Dupria? <laughs> Thank you very much, Will. Nice, nice joining you guys. Uh, yeah, we won it. France beat New Zealand. Uh, uh, France got beaten by England. Uh, England wasn't the greatest team going into the, going into the, into the finals. Um, I think the players... Took a bit of a, a leading role there, and they made into into the final. And uh, yeah, we had a great squad, we had great players, and we had a great management team. And uh, but to win a World Cup, a lot of things must go your way. So uh, luckily, no seven, a lot of things went our way. Yeah. Okay. So the idea is that we'll try and come up with some sort of blueprint or answer by the end of our chat. But 
Why don't we take our listeners into the build-up to 2007? Get back in your time-travelling machine. Tell me what the build-up was like for you guys, where the box were travelling at the time. I mean, I was looking back, and a year before, that 49-0 defeat to Australia must have been pretty harrowing. So it, it wasn't yeah, like yeah, other our World journey, Cups. 100%. Our journey probably started in 2004. The box had a terrible sort of lead-up to the 2003 World Cup, and a lot of old guys... And so we had a fresh start, new coach, a lot of young guys that, that played in, in the 99-21 World Cup and the 2002-21 World Cup, which we won. And Jake was actually the coach in 2002, so a lot of those guys got together. And um, so it was sort of a new start, a new system, and we sort of built it, built it from, from 04. Obviously, 06, 06 didn't go as planned. Jake was almost almost fired at the end of your tour. And uh, yeah, so we just got together in 07. We had great super rugby, which were Bulls and the Sharks in the final. And um, that sort of gave us a lot of confidence going into the World Cup. And we knew exactly where we were starting 15 was. And that sort of, I would say, different than other teams. The bench wasn't really used. So it was a starting 15 that, that knew they were the best guys. And uh, that played all the, all the main games. I'm trying to think, everyone else has got a sort of different journey to how they complete it and win the World Cup. But for you guys, that, that 06 defeat, I don't want to bring up so many bad memories. We'll get to the good ones in a bit. But was that one of those where you thought, right, that's never happening again. Draw a line in the sand, move on, the only way is up type thing. Yeah, well, well I think in that game, just talking 19, I think Ricky January started with Jakob van der Vestas and... and uh... In, obviously, in 07, myself and Butch started. So um, we, we started the next game against New Zealand, and, and that was sort of a, the start of a partnership of a halfback pairing that, that won it. So the team wasn't settled in a six. I think Jake wasn't sure who was, who was the best guy. And it was almost like still testing thing, things out. A few guys were left, left out end of year two to sort of, let's call it rest. And uh, that made a big difference for the guys going to the Super Rugby and, and then into the World Cup. Yeah, so so when did you start thinking you were turning a corner then? Because looking into 07, um, you thrashed England twice when they came down, didn't you? Was was that the moment where you started to sort of think, right, OK, we're building something here? I mean, those 55-22, 58-10 were, were big results against England, weren't they? Yeah, 100%. I think it wasn't wasn't England's base team as well. But um, like I said, when we, we got together the day after the Super Rugby final, and then it was obviously the Bulls and the Sharks, majority of the team. And we got together and said, look, okay, we've got massive provincial rivals in SA. And they said, we put that behind us. We, but it will give us massive confidence going into the World Cup. And I think for those two teams and with John as the captain, it was sort of once we got together and said, look, we're going we're gonna to win this thing. We know we've got the players. We've, we've got the, we had three years before, which uh, we had highs and lows. Yeah, so we were very confident going into the World Cup. Yeah, so was there a special meeting then? Did you all, I mean, they've talked about that in teams in the past, haven't they? You've got to almost put your club rivalries aside. Did you all, I don't know. 100%, because emotions was very high. And it was sort of, that final was sort of, at that stage, I, I'd call it the second biggest game in, in SA. Obviously, the 95 final would have been a bit, but that was the second biggest game. We, um, we never fought the SA team in one Super Rugby. It was just... Earlier days was just too hard, and and then to have our own final of two teams, and then yeah, getting into that that team room next, driving together from Durban to Bloemfontein, getting to get in Bloemfontein, and said, look, that's behind us. 
great, great, great work, everyone. Um, let's win this World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously in the um, Tri-Nations, um, you guys came third, didn't you? So I suppose, like other World Cups at that time, maybe New Zealand down your way particularly were the, the favoured Southern Hemisphere team. But by the time the World Cup came around, you were a different beast. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, 100%. And uh, yeah, I think just Jake's plan was, at that stage, we, we played just so much rugby and played every single Super Rugby game, every single incoming to a Tri-Nations end of year, carry cup. So that Tri-Nations is sort of um, left 20 guys behind. Um, in Cape Town, we, we had two weeks there to sort of sort out all the all the integrity things and um, sort of the way we want to go forward. And uh, I think that, that helped massively. So tell me about Jake White then. I mean, he, he'd started a fuse before 2004. And I think I've heard a story of around 2004 when he started he one of his first meetings he said guys we're going to win the 2007 world cup and quite a lot of players went come on mate it's not april fool's day was it was it was it about instilling belief right from the start despite some of the results yeah i think so just it's exactly that same we got to get in 2004 before the island series um it was actually i actually made my debut the first test as well. So, yeah, we, um, it was that same team room which we had in 06 in Bloemfontein. Um, yeah, he just got to get and said, look, 2003 was a disaster. Everything before it was a disaster. We've got to, we've got the players to win it. Like I said, for 99-02, one of 21 guys they had to beat New Zealand and Australia winning winning those World Cups. And then bringing back guys like Orson Monty, sort of older guys. And the team evolved from there. But that... that Belief was installed in 04 and then we won the Tri-Nations in 04. So we knew we were good enough. But but Jake, I think what, what also really helped after that, 20 guys that stayed behind in, in SA. And then we had a month after the Tri-Nations, which we got Eddie, Eddie Jones involved, which obviously, in, from my view, helped us tremendously winning, winning the World Cup, get, just getting someone from the outside. He, he, was, he coached against us and he knew exactly where our strengths would be. And uh, he sort of installed that belief as well, uh, hearing, hearing from the ground, sort of from the outside. And uh, Jake, Jake trusted him and we had a great relationship with him. Yeah, I'd love to know more about the dynamic between Jake White and Eddie Jones. I mean, two big egotistical lads there, aren't they? I mean, <laughs> how, how did it kind of play out? I mean, Eddie had he was at a bit of a different point in his career at that point, wasn't he? But how did that all work for you guys? So that that first two weeks, Rassi was actually Rassi Erasmus was actually sort of a guy that the Jake got in from the outside in, and and after those two weeks, he he got the Stormers job, and he said, look, he can't he can't do it. So Eddie, ach, uh, Jake, Jake called in a few of his senior senior players, said he wants to get Eddie involved, and I, and, and I remember John and Victor and, and all of us just said, yeah, that would be amazing. So it actually it obviously worked out perfectly, and and. Uh, the thing is that a World Cup, the head coach takes so much pressure. So Jake could all, he had all that pressure, but John could almost keep him a little bit away from the team. And Eddie had zero pressure, so he could just coach us. We the, the sort of the dynamics between the players and Eddie was fantastic. And then Jake would back whatever, whatever Eddie said because he had to do with all the other pressures. So that dynamics worked out worked out perfectly, and and also we had we had we had a great coaching team with Gert Small and and Alistair Kutsi as well, which which became head coaches in the own right. 
so that well management team and the dynamics worked out perfectly. Yeah, so many players that Eddie Jones has coached over the years have have got their story of when they first met him and the meeting. What was yours? Was he showing you clips and saying you were terrible, or was he picking you up? How was he? How did he treat you first up? <laughs> No, luckily, luckily, he was he was treating me very well, and uh, so we had a so we struck up a great relationship. And uh, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm still a big fan. That's where I went to Japan to sort of go to his club and of uh, and just sort of we had and, and even when he went to coach for the national team, I'm, I I lunch with him once a week, so I'm still keeping in touch. So, um, yeah, we we just struck up really well, and and uh, I just really enjoyed his his sort of style and and. and He's always expecting the best out of everyone, and uh, that's just the same as me. You want you want excellence, and you don't want guys. You want to win, so everyone must must pull their weight. Yeah. What's lunch with Eddie Jones like? He, he likes a glass of milk. <laughs> <laughs> well, ninety nine percent of the time we're just talking rugby. So, uh, <laughs> but lunch in, lunch in Tokyo once a week was 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 great fun, and it was just sort of. Picking my brain, picking his brain, and, and sort of trying to trying to make everything better. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think I've read too that he was he showing you guys videos of some of the Brumbies and the Australians and saying like this is how you can attack, find space. Was there anything that you took into your game that you you didn't no, think about he, before? So, no. What, what, what I really enjoyed is he he understood the the, the essay way. And he just sort of brought that flavor of let's make it ten percent better and just just a little bit better line here before to the better angle there, and um, he just sort of brought that detail to play which we never had. Yeah, it was quite simple. So it was it was really nice and hearing hearing from him and sort of him backing our way as well. I'd love to t- talk to you too about the French World Cup. I mean, obviously we're in the midst of a French World Cup now. They hosted it in two thousand and seven when you were there. So tell me about the sort of sights and sounds of that and. What do you remember about sort of being around the tournament itself? Did you get any sort of downtime or were you kind of so focused on the rugby you didn't get out much or how did it play out? Yeah, luckily we usually, we on, on Thursdays, if we would play the Saturday, Thursdays was, was off day, so we usually had a massive golf game on Thursdays, which we enjoyed and we loved. Until the semi-final time, then Jake started stressing and we weren't allowed to go, to go and play. <laughs> So myself, Spalt Berger, Donner, so and, and Victor Maxwell snuck out and went to play our, our usual our usual game. And uh luckily we beat them and actually Jake heard about it and wasn't wasn't very happy. <laughs> but all four of us had had great semifinals. But that's a problem with, with coaches. They they just stress too much at a World Cup. They do things differently and it worked it worked every all four years we did it the same way. And then you get to a semi final and he said, No, you're not we're not allowed to go. So <laughs> we decided no, we'd rather keep to our our, uh, our our things that we want to do. No, so the World Cup was fantastic. Um yes, just obviously in South Africa everything's not always working here, government wise and Let's call it whatever. So it's great that it was fantastic with the trains and was perfectly everything was managed so 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 well. So and so many good people around us there, and so we really enjoyed it all. And we were most of the time in Paris. We took play in, in Montpellier one game in that quarterfinal in Marseille, which was very hot, but the weather was was great. So everything was great. It's, the final, the only time it became cold was, was the week of the final, and it sort of changed in a week. Yeah, good weather for golf. Where was your? Where was the secret golf trip? It was actually at <laughs> at, at Disney. Disney's got a 
uh, Euro Disney's got a golf course there, so we, we oh, played. at the Disney, wow, okay. In twenty nineteen, the box stayed at Disneyland in um, Tokyo. So yeah, there's this, yeah, I don't I know. know. There's a little thing in there, maybe a portent. Stay at Disney, and you'll win the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm hating Disney, so I don't know why it worked for us, but I'm a VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So, so let's go on to the tournament then. I mean, our English listeners will remember a lot of reasons for that World Cup, but maybe the, for the harrowing one at the start, the 36-0. Was there a massive focus from you guys on uh, winning that second game for you and making a, a statement early on? Because that, that yeah. basically <laughs> battered England's confidence and everything, and they completely ripped up everything after yeah, that. Yeah, all the teams have got different stories, but Jake's... He had a massive focus on that game pre-World Cup. So if you ask me, I think your focus should be just on on, on the first game and then take it from there. But his, his focus was always that England game and playing with defending world champions. So it was so we were, we were obviously psyched up for that game and a lot of focus and effort was put into that game. So uh, but our first game against Samoa was it was a tough that first half an hour was was very tough and there's two league brothers running over us and it was it was it was very physical and very tough. But but then getting through that we actually had a bit of confidence and um, yeah ready for for the England game and I'll, I'll never forget that game. It was just our first game in start of France. We were we were fortunate enough to go and watch the opening game between um, Argentina and France, which was the atmosphere was just fantastic. So we sort of soaked in that atmosphere going to that England game, and uh, yeah, it was just a just a great game. So was Jake sort of drilling in over a number of months or longer about that England one when you knew that you had you had them in the pool? Once once the once the draw came out, he, he just always put in some nuggets of that England game, that England game defending world champion. So it was always in the back of our mind. And then getting into that let's call it the Monday before the game, now it's now it's there. Now you're in this world. You, you, 
in this game, we've, we've worked hard. We've, we've talked about, let's call it two years about this game or a year and a half about this game. And uh, so it was, we put a lot of pressure into the game, almost like a final at- atmosphere in, in itself. And at, at that point too, once you'd beaten him 36-0, you must, did you shock yourselves almost at nilling England at a World Cup? That doesn't happen much. Like that, Such a convincing victory. Yeah, it was just it's just one of those let's call it professional games. Which our defense was unbelievable, our tactical play was great, and and we had three opportunities to score, which which we took. So we took a lot of confidence out of that. After that game, we knew, look, we obviously good enough to win this World Cup. But if we if we can keep performances like this, we'll we'll, we'll in, in for a chance. And then seven weeks, seven days later, we almost lost against Tonga. So. <laughs> it's, it keeps on this game keeps you keeps your feet grounded as well. So yeah, I wonder whether that's one of the sort of I don't know first lessons from your win of you can't get too far ahead of yourself because there's always another team around the corner ready. Because as you say, thirty twenty five a little scare against Tonga, and then because you'd beaten England, you had possibly an easier route to the final. But the Fiji game was crazy that quarter final, wasn't it? They were tearing you up to start with. Is that? The lesson there's there are banana skins out there that you might not think of before. I remember the Friday night in Mos in Marseille, we were watching the New Zealand game, and obviously they lost, and I think Australia lost just after them and uh, or before them, and we just we we were very shocked at it. And once that happened, we knew look the road to winning this World Cup was just became so much easier. And then standing behind the poles, I think it was twenty all with twenty minutes to go. I was thinking, yo, the Tri Nations teams are going. It's, it's out of this World Cup, and uh, there was just a switch from John. And um, yeah, we just they they got fourteen two quick tries and put us under pressure, and in the heat, and the crowd was going mad. And so just <laughs> to get out of that game, it was um, it was sort of a great relief. And uh, now we're playing Argentina the following week, which Argentina is always difficult, and it's a, it's a great team, but it's not. It's not like you have to play New Zealand or, or France in France or or even Australia. So we knew that we've got a great route then into the final. I suppose the Argentina thing was, as you mentioned it a while back, they won that first game, didn't they? They beat the host France and ended up coming third in the tournament and it was their best ever competition. Yeah, they had a fantastic team and, and Augustine Pichot, the captain, was, I was playing against the team. He was a great leader. That's a great, great fly out and, and on this Probably, probably best in at that World Cup. So a lot of things were going their way, but I think we were we were in conference with relief beating beating uh, Fiji. Knowing, look, we're going to play against uh, play again at start of start of France, great stadium. Last time we played there was, was England. So just doing what if, if we do what what we do well, there's no way they they will be able to beat us. Everyone always says that you need sort of four or five, maybe more world-class players, world 15 players to win the World Cup. And you had plenty across your side. I'd love to ask you about Brian Abana because he obviously scored eight tries in that tournament and was kind of the poster boy for maybe everyone in South Africa and outside of it too. Did you see his sort of, I don't know, star growing throughout that tournament? I know he'd been in the team for a while, but with his pace and running against the cheetah and all that stuff that came around it, it was a bit different, wasn't it, with Brian? Yeah, no, 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 it was. Uh, but yeah, he, with him and, and JP Peterson, uh, we had two fantastic wingers that, that could score a lot of tries. And, and obviously, Brian and, and against Samoa started started off pretty well. I think he scored four tries. Yeah, four, four yeah. Yeah, four. So just it's quite a quite a boost thing to, <laughs> to get, to the, get to the target. 
No, and then yeah, he just he was just fantastic. And I think the partnership with, with JP and the steadiness of Percy at the back, and then obviously at Jock Free on on this sort of inside, which was which was great. Um, yeah, so we had a we had, it was it was a good team for us, and it was a team that that that, uh, that loved playing together and loved loved the way we played. So t- so take me into the week of the final then. Is the secret golf trip back on? Are you allowed to go and play having won the semi <laughs> or is that cancelled on the Thursday again? So, yeah, so I think I mentioned Jake found out about it by uh, looking back. I think we he, actually that night, of course, after the semi-final, uh, we had a little beer with him and said, look, we're going we're gonna, to 100% going to play golf this week of the final. And uh, was back at, we, were, we were back at Disney, Disneyland that following week. So same four like, balls, same everyone. Yeah, absolutely. You got you can't break the tradition. No. Talk me through then the psychology of playing a team you've already beaten in the tournament in a final. I mean, New Zealand ended up doing it the year the time after you in 2011, didn't they, with France? So is it a difficult one to think through yourselves because you think we've just smashed them early in the pool, but they're a different side now? How do you kind of work that out in your heads? Do you have to just focus on it as a completely yeah, separate it's... game? Yeah, it's 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 a tough one because you've got so much confidence knowing knowing just just with self belief we had you know we were we thought we were a better team than them so just doing what we do well and if we've got a we sort of done make silly mistakes and and play outside of character we should be able to beat them but it's a World Cup final and a lot of things can go so it was just, it was a stress it was the first time my only time I think in my life which I which I stressed a bit going into a going into a game, just because I knew we were we were better than them, or we we thought we were better than them, and so we, it's actually for us to lose the game, and uh, we kept it pretty tight in the game, and um, obviously there was one or two big moments in the game which which came out sort of our way, but yeah, there there was not a there was not a moment in the game. I was, it's honestly not arrogant. There was not a moment in the game which we thought we, we would lose that game. We were just so much full of confidence. And I think if we had to make it a little bit more open, we, we would we would have been able to do it. So I remember reading about Martin Johnson in 2003. He, he I don't know, he felt so under pressure for certain of those games. He, he started doing things that he'd never done in the years before and would go and visit the stadium beforehand and things like that. Did you do anything different on the, on the morning of the game? Because these French... Kickoffs are so late, aren't they? You've got all day to wait for the World Cup final. I wonder, yeah. we walk around Disneyland or something to just take your mind. <laughs> yeah, no. So, so we, so it's the first time I sort of felt pressure because I actually felt a moment, the heaviness of, of, of occasion. I was in '95. I was 13 years old, and I was, I was, I was able to be at the game at the stadium, and, and I, I'll wow. never forget that that sort of 80 minutes or plane flying over and. And whatever, and just sort of a moment. So that sort of got to me a bit. But yeah, I was always just trying to keep things the same, exactly the same. But as it would be, we got a phone call the morning of the final. I'd say at nine o'clock, ten o'clock, and then the president is there. He wants to greet us. So that sort of changed it. We've never done that before. So, <laughs> so luckily, so in the end, we had to get in, in our number ones, ten o'clock, the morning of the final. But uh, in, in ASA, anything is, is, is possible. So, uh, so that was different. <laughs> you can't say no to the president, can you? Sorry, mate, we've got a World Cup final to win. <laughs> 100%. So what, tell me about the, the game itself. I think you were Captain John Smith since called it one of the worst games of rugby I've ever played. But was that almost part, not really part of the plan, but 
maybe a manifestation of the nerves that you guys were feeling or the weight of history thinking about 95 perhaps that it wasn't quite the sort of I don't know celebration of rugby it could have been it was quite a tight tense World Cup final wasn't yeah, it? It wasn't it, it wasn't by design it was, it was it was a sort of game we played but we kept it a little bit tighter than, than usual and um England was actually very good on the fence and, and with Johnny Wilkins, he didn't play the previous game. Obviously, it was with his experience. And so it, it, was, a, it was a tough game to play, but we would have been, rugby-wise, better to, to play a more running sort of type of game. But just England didn't, they sort of didn't uh, leave it open for us to play that, that way. So, um, yeah, we had, to, we had to grind it out. So all of my English listeners now are saying, ask him about Mark Cueto. And the tr- and the try that wasn't a try. <laughs> so you you're allowed to be honest now. All these years on, do you think it was a try for Ida Prayer? One hundred percent was not a try. <laughs> not a try. Okay. <laughs> but even if it even even if it was, um, England got a penalty, so they got three points. So it was it's just a it's a four point game. Yeah. So, true. Yeah. So I still I still can't do the, the math that even if it was a try, I'm not sure how they would have. Would have been us. So it was just a four-point decision. Yeah, it was 15-6 in the end. So you, you still won convincingly, yeah. But let's, let's for your listeners sake, yes, 100% try, Johnny kicks it over, 15-10, pretty much the same thing. Yeah, true, true. Do you remember the agony of watching that? Because I was looking at, before we came on, I was watching that um, TMO decision that's still on YouTube. It takes forever. <laughs> you must have been looking at the screen going like, oh my God, is this a try or not? Yeah, now, look, it was obviously was a 50-50 call. And um, I remember just standing at, like, in that moment, we still, even if they give a try, if, if we actually had no stress of, of going back and, and still winning the game. So I just remember the confidence of the guys. If try, no try, it's no, no issue. We, we just go, we know, we know in ourselves we're better. And uh, if we have to change one or two things, we'll do that. But there are no issues. So the other bit on the clip of the World Cup final highlights is that you're the man who actually kicks the ball out to end it, which must be a, a fun thing to have in your back pocket that <laughs> you've had that moment where you know that you're going to win the World Cup. You've got it at the back of a ruck and then you just yeah. boot it out uh, and that's it. All, Talk me through uh, the emotions of that. Uh, it's all, I think we had, a, we had a scrum and it was like a two minutes to go, but obviously leading by more than seven, there's no chance you can lose. So it's actually a nice sort of moment, two or three phases, and now you're going to kick it out, going to win it. So just that moment was fantastic. But uh, Brian, as I kicked it out, he ran into the, the stadium and he went to get that ball. So he still got that ball, which I kicked out. And uh, he put it underneath his jersey. So that was the first thing he was thinking about is getting getting that World Cup final ball, which you kick out. Did he did he shout at you? Come on, mate! Don't kick it too far. I need to go and get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it all in the change room is um, in the change room. The first time I saw it, he had the boy. He said, "No, that's one." He went to get get and fit. He went to fetch it. So yeah, that was what he was thinking about. I was that's just great. Right. Yeah. So as as the boy who would have watched uh, Francois Pina lift the World Cup, Nelson Mandela, Jumbo coming over Ellis Park, all that. Was it immediately the emotions hit you that you had done what your heroes had done and you'd won the World Cup? Or did it take some time to filter in when you were sitting having a beer in the changing room or in a Parisian nightclub later that night or something? Uh, it's just, no, it was just sort of, um, sort of emotional. It's hard work getting there, but it was 
that was just a fantastic, fantastic feeling. And I think only later on you you, you realize, back it's, it's yeah, it's 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 massive. But eleven or, or fifteen, we could have won it. So I was after after twenty fifteen, I realized that if you can't you can't be defined by a, a ref score or mistake here, mistake there. And um, we were good enough to win it for other two times as well. We didn't. We were like not lucky. We were obviously no seven things went our way. So that was fantastic. So very fortunate to be part of a team of that that won the World Cup, but as many players that hasn't won it that has that's probably been as good as to to win it. So yeah, it's it was fantastic to be part of it. But it's at the end of the day it's just sport. And uh, love watching it now, but um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a very interesting interesting one. Well, that that's the thing, I suppose. Maybe more so than, and I don't know whether we make more of this outside South Africa than you guys do in South Africa. But it seems like with the South African World Cup wins, there's this sort of um, lots of talk about the higher purpose and what it means for the country and sort of uniting the nation. Was there a sense of that in 2007 or? Was that maybe a bit more unique to 95 and 2019? I don't know. How did you feel about that side of it? Yeah, I think I, I think we sort of use it, try and use it every World Cup. And every World Cup is about uniting. And, but at the end of the day, it's, it's just a Springbok team that, that actually just want to, you just want to win. And obviously, if that means uniting a country, it's fantastic. But that that's not the reason that you play the game. You play the game because you want to play it with your mates, you want to be the best that you can be and you want to put yourself under pressure and uh, uniting the nation is, if that's a benefit, that's, that's fantastic. And and obviously, you know, see when it was getting back to ESA, we didn't we didn't experience five in France, but once we landed in, in ESA, we couldn't believe what was happening and uh, that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah, talk me through those scenes. So, were you coming a little bit hungover on the, on the jumbo jet and you arrive and was the airport packed out in Joburg? What tell me how it all went? Yeah, yeah. So we so we had to fly via via London because VA at that stage was a sponsor. So we flew out of London, and uh, yeah, as as we as 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 we arrived, it was just madness and thousands and thousands of people. And obviously, we knew winning the World Cup was big, but it was just crazy. And that week, that week on the on the bus was just just crazy. Yeah, it was fantastic. Right, so we've got to get to the end of our um, where we started. How did you win the World Cup? So we've we've talked through a few things. We've talked about building as as kids, great coaching, superstitions, the golf. What's what's on your list of things that you need to tick off if you're to win it? Yeah, five at least five world class players, consistency, um, and the bounce of the ball. Great coaching stuff. Easy as that. Easy. As if that. you get all that in place, you've done it. No red cards in the first twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe more relevant. Oh, first half. Let's call it no red cards in the first half. Well, look, Fari, amazing. Thanks so much for joining us on this look back at two thousand and seven, and you'll always have the glory of those days. And I know you've had your other World Cups, but at least you can always say I'm a world champion, and you've done it. So, great pleasure to talk it all through with you, and and enjoy keep enjoying this tournament because it's going to be great fun, isn't it? Yeah. Thank you very much, Will, and yeah, um, yeah, great, great talking to you, and great uh, looking back into my memories. Voiceover describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. Voiceover on settings, so you can navigate it just by listening. 
Books, Contacts, Calendar, Double Tap to Open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone.